Hello and welcome to the Jumbo Package NFL Podcast. I'm Sonny Giuliano. I am joined, as always, by Paul Clark. And we are returning after our very own bye week last week with a special edition Jumbo Package for you on this Halloween morning. It is morning, 9.30 Eastern. We have got halfway mark power rankings coming at you today. All 32 teams ranked from worst to first. Polly, happy Halloween, my friend. It's great to be back with you. Talking happy about Halloween. the last day of October. Can you believe it? We are, we are, what is it, 15 hours away from November. That is crazy. Like four weeks from today's Thanksgiving, I think. Uh, yeah? Wow. Crazy to think about it. Um, not a big fan of Halloween. Never have been. Gives a bunch of creeps the rights to dress up in masks, and it gives me the creeps myself. So uh, <laughs> today's a day I like to stay inside and keep to myself. Um, but uh, hard to believe we're halfway through the football season. It seems like we just did the four week, we just did the four week power rankings, and here we are yeah. halfway, and uh, just flies by like always. It really did. And then the the week off last week when you know both of us were kind of busy with life and work and, you know, responsibility and stuff like that. It was good to, I mean, I miss doing the podcast, obviously, but, um, you know, all NFL teams get a bye week somewhere in the middle of the season. I think it's only right that we're, we're um, allowed to have one ourselves, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to be back every week until the Super Bowl now. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, week eight was in the books last week. Uh, at least half the teams in the league have played at least eight games. Um, I, I would, you know, uh, in some ways a lot has changed since we did this four weeks ago. Um, in in other ways, many things have stayed the same. We'll get to the power rankings momentarily, but just to handle a little bit of business before then, um, the standings bet- between you and I, our weekly picks, um, thanks to a Miami Dolphins cover last week, barely covering a 13.5 point line at Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football, I narrowly edged you out in week eight. I was <laughs> I was eight and seven. You were seven and eight. Therefore, I lead the weekly standings five to two to one. But I only have a four game advantage in the overall standings. I'm 63, 57, and one. You are 59. 61 and 1. Um, so with nine weeks left, this is literally anybody's contest. Um, if you want to check out our picks, anybody listening, they will be posted on Hardwood and Hollywood. But again, we're not going to be doing picks on the podcast today. Um, one last thing before we get to get to the power rankings, the weekly worst. Um, so we didn't we didn't talk about it, but I I felt as though Mitch Trubisky was a deserving winner for his performance in Week Seven against New Orleans, which looked a lot better in the final stats because there was a lot of garbage time uh, stat accumulation for for him and for the Bears to kind of make that game against New Orleans look a lot closer than it was. Um, with that said, I think I think that the the Mitch Trubisky Matt Nagy tandem 
is deserving for week eight. I don't know if you had anybody else in mind, uh, but it, it was, I mean, they, they showed a good amount of that game on red zone. Uh, and obviously I was paying extra close attention to it because it's my team, but it was just, it was an atrocity of quarterback play and red zone play calling. Yeah. You know, it seemed like last year, everything Matt Nagy dialed up was right. And, He's had an awful year. Um, it's just been totally, terrible. Just totally abandoned the run game. Um, you know, a guy that likes to run play action and stuff like that has to realize that to run play action, you must establish run first because when you're not running, play action is kind of useless. I mean, right? you know, it's just not going to work. I mean, against the Saints, he ran the ball seven times. I think I saw... Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Trubisky's been, you know, terrible. I thought he was going to have a really big year, you know. As you know, in the in the in the preseason preview we did, I was expecting big things out of Mitch, and uh, he's kind of let me down so far. Yeah, and you know, the the especially frustrating thing last week was the fact that they didn't abandon the run. No. David Montgomery finally got something going. He had over 100 yards. He ran the ball really well. He but, and that's too. why I, What's that? He looked good. He looked, good. He he looked good. really good. He he was the yeah. player that everyone was raving about in camp. Yeah. But then that's why I, I narrowed it down to red zone play calling. Because as soon as they got inside the 20-yard line, it, it was just like everything was out the window and they're doing all this gimmicky shit that looks really that looks really interesting, but it just wasn't working. You know, and, stuff, you know... It's just stuff that looks good in practice but never works in games. I mean, it's just... I mean, when you're that close to, you know, you just got to run basic. Yeah. You know, your, your your top five best plays in both of there. I mean, he, he does so much motion and gimmicky stuff near the, near the, in the red zone. It's, I don't know. I don't know. I and, don't know. You know, I... It's it's gimmicky, motiony stuff, and then it's stuff that's going side to side and not straightforward. Right, exactly. and that's the problem I have. I mean, the, all the window dressing is really good. That that's fine. Keep the defense on their toes, but there comes yeah. a certain point when you have a guy who's got it going on the ground that you just say, okay, we're just gonna pound you ahead with a little bit of you know design here and there that makes the defense look a different way before we hand it off to you. That's fine, but you know, I don't know. It, it was it was so bad, and it's just you know I I will get to the Bears obviously, and um, for my new website bingeable that everyone should be reading, it officially goes live tomorrow. I've got a Bears piece coming up, not just on this Bears team, but um, I wanted to write something just as a a sort of this is what it has been like my Chicago Bears fan experience. Um, just because I've never written anything like that, and I feel like it's time, um, especially with the stark contrast between last year and this year. Um, so I don't want to say too much, but everyone should get the point. I, I think it sounds like you're in agreement that that tandem is deserving of the Week 8 Weekly Worst. Absolutely. Uh, 
just a, just another quick question for you. As a Bears fan, how how sick and tired of you are you hearing over the last like month that the Bears drafted Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes? I mean, they don't need to keep saying it. Every I guarantee you, every Bears fan knows it. That that is not that's not breaking news to anybody. I mean, it seems like every week when the Bears are playing, I see the stats of the three of them, and they're like, and the Bears yeah. traded up to get Trubisky. Yeah, it's like, it, you know, yeah, it's the, right, the... Right now it's not he's throwing a remote control through his TV. Yeah, it's the, it's the rare example this year where Nagy dials up something really nice, and Trubisky just misses the guy by eight yards, and then they have to cut to the graphic of how the Bears traded up to get Mitch Trubisky with... Sean Watson and Pat Mahomes sitting there, and it's like we all know this. We it, it we're good. We got it. <laughs> oh. All right, let, let's uh, let's get to the power rankings before I, I just start breaking down. Um, tier one, the the shitty teams club. I, I have four like teams. I think that's like from twenty eight to thirty two. You know, okay, so I had four teams in the shitty teams club. And my number 28, I really considered I considered bringing them into the shitty teams club and just creating a new position below treasurer, like a special advisor or something. But I wanted to consult with you because you are the one who coined the term the shitty teams club. And we kind of together agreed that it would be constructed like a club, like your, like your student council in high school where you have a president, a vice president, a secretary, and a treasurer. So I wanted to consult with you before I I brought a fifth team in because it does feel like there are five teams that really belong in the shitty team club. Yeah, I got five. 28 to okay. 32 is my shitty teams club. Then I'm good, with, I'm good with moving my number 28, who is the Atlanta Falcons, into the shitty teams club. Okay, well... The Atlanta Falcons were in my shitty team club, but they're twenty nine. Okay, um, thirty two. Are we still are we still in agreement that that's Miami? We're in agreement that's Miami. Uh, thirty one. The Bengals. Yep, two winless teams. I I briefly considered whether to actually bump Cincinnati into that bottom spot. I Just because did. Miami, you know, they're they're awful and. Yeah. If you look at their point differential compared to Cincinnati's, they they've their point differential is like twice as bad. Literally, they they've lost by uh, like a combined 180 points so far this year, and or no, I'm sorry, 161 points. And Cincinnati is only they're minus 86 point differential. So there there's a wide gap between those two teams. But you know, I look at Miami and. They have such less talent on that roster. I think they're way better coached. I think you can make the case that they're for for the their talent level, they're actually performing rather admirably in some of these games. Like the last two weeks, you know, having leads over Pittsburgh and Buffalo, that that's kind of an accomplishment with with on how yeah, with uh, you know, on the road with how dire that talent situation is. Um. There have been times the last four weeks where it's looked better in Miami than it has in Cincinnati. But all things considered, I, I looked at that point differential and I just couldn't do it. Um, 
So Miami, Cincinnati, who do you have at 30? Washington. As do I. Um, 29, I have the New York Jets, who uh, – what is going on there? Apparently, they're shopping Jamal Adams at the trade deadline for for what I could tell is no good reason. Yeah. I um, mean, they're going to trade your best player. I guess that's fine. <laughs> and, you know, I you know I got to applaud Adam Gase for a second because he he goes from being really bad in Miami to positioning himself to be the head coach of the New York Jets and the interim GM this summer. And he just continues to to underperform as a head coach in this supposed offensive mastermind that he is. The Jets are last in yards per play, last in third down conversions, which amazes me considering the Chicago Bears are in the NFL. Um, but I, I hear that if Adam Gase, if Dan Quinn is fired in Atlanta, Adam Gase is going to be heading there as a full-time head coach, GM, and he's getting ownership stake from Arthur Blank. <laughs> That's what I hear. I, I, I mean, he, he in like five years, he's just going to be the commissioner of the NFL from his current trajectory. That's what it looks like. He's on the he's on the path for. Yeah. Um, so I have the Jets twenty nine. You have them twenty eight. You have Atlanta twenty nine. I have them twenty eight. Um, I just I, I had Atlanta the the best of the shitty team just because it, it they're very bad, but it still feels like they're not completely incompetent in a way that some of these other teams are. I mean, even Matt Schaub put up impressive numbers last week against Seattle. Matt um, Schaub was better than Matt Ryan. Yeah, that, that's kind of the the dirty little secret of, of last week's game is that Schaub did look more competent than, than Matt Ryan did, which I think if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, you kind of have to be evaluating where we go from here. It, it does seem like they're one of these teams that's going to have to be looking quarterback in the draft this year. Um, so, yeah, that's the shitty teams club. We don't need to spend much more time there. Um, tier two, I have as the regular bad teams. Uh, not quite shitty teams club worthy, but also not at all good at football. 27, who do you have? Denver Broncos. As do I. Um, I love the move by Joe Flacco calling out the Broncos coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and now he's out for for week nine with a neck injury. Apparently, Vic Fangio put him in a headlock after after the press conference. Uh, <laughs> another team that that just you know I had heard rumors that they were potentially open to trading Von Miller. They did trade Emmanuel Sanders, um, Chris Harris too. Yeah, Chris Harris. That, that's another one. I, I was trying to think of the third guy that. Um, was popping up in, in deadline rumors and uh, the name escaped me, but you know, part of what Denver's issue is it's deceiving because they've lost a handful of, of close games. I mean, Chicago early in the year with, with the Pinheiro kick at the end of the game. Um, Jacksonville was a two point game. Indianapolis last week with Vinatieri who had his trouble throughout that game. Then, nailing the 50-plus yarder to, to win the game is 
you know, time expired, um, they could they could deceive you and make you think that they're actually, you know, in these games and maybe things are just breaking the wrong way. But I think if you really look at all the numbers and the whole thing put together, it, it's just not good. Um, who do you have at 26? The New York football Giants. All right. I have them 24. Who do you have 25? Tampa Bay. Okay. And who do you have 24? Arizona. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm higher on Arizona than you. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay and New York, two teams that had very different outlooks when we did this four weeks ago. I I looked back. Um, Tampa Bay was coming off that really weird win in Los Angeles uh, that got them to two and two, and you know people were trying to do the thing. Well. In, talking themselves into Tampa Bay maybe being a team that could compete for a playoff spot. That's just not the case. Neither of us bought into that, thankfully. Um, and then the Giants, too. They're on a two-game winning streak after starting 0-2. Danny Dimes comes in. He's one of the hottest stories in the NFL. The outlook was relatively optimistic. Um, and since then, they're 0-4. Jones has come back down to earth. Uh, in their two and six for the year, I, are are you still optimistic about their outlook for the future, or has this four week skid really compromised the way you feel about the Giants heading into twenty twenty and beyond? No, I I think they're fine. I think you know I think Daniel Jones is going to be fine. You know they got Saquon who. To me, him and Christian McCaffrey are the two best backs in the NFL. It's not really close. Um, you know, they got decent weapons outside. Sterling Shepard and uh, Mysterious Slayton's been playing well. And, and to me, they got a good tight end. I think they need to secure up the offensive line a little bit. Make sure your quarterback's protected. And to go from there. Yeah, no, they're, I, I agree with you. There there are definitely reasons to be optimistic if you're a Giants fan. Um, they're on the right track, for the very least. And, you know, I think the the main worry heading into this year was that if you had to turn to Daniel Jones at any time, which they they did early, I think earlier than a lot of people were expecting, the worry was that he was going to be completely overwhelmed uh, and that we were going to find out right away that that pick that a lot of people thought was a reach was as much of a failure as a lot of people expected that it would be. From what I have seen, and, you know, there are people who do this for a living and study tape and all that, he's come back down to earth, but I don't see a guy that is going to be, um, that is going to be bad throughout his career. I, I think it just looks like a typical rookie taking his lumps, uh, trying to figure out how all of this works in the NFL, um, I think that they'll be fine. And like you said, they they have some pretty quality weapons for him to work with, with Saquon and Slayton coming out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, I think they're fine. Uh, so they were 24 for me. 25, I had my Chicago Bears. Maybe I'm lower on them than I should be. Maybe they are, in fact, worse than 25th. I don't know. Um, 
we kind of covered all of their their biggest issues. I mean, another issue, too, is that the defense just isn't as good as it was last year. Um, they just they aren't forcing turnovers like they did last year where it was just at a ridiculous rate. They're only 14th in the league this year in turnovers forced. Uh, I think they're missing big boy in the middle. That That's the big issue. And that that's what a lot of people don't realize is that his ability to almost single-handedly shut down run games and create interior pressure was so big for what they did defensively. And I know with, I know 52 on the outside misses them. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, everyone does. It's a, it's a trickle-down effect from, you know, Mac to the defensive backs who are, are suddenly having to cover for longer periods of time because – you know, the, the the pass rush just isn't getting there as quick as it used to, to the linebackers now having to take more responsibility in the run game. It's everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, that that has low-key been one of the biggest injury losses to any team that we thought was going to be a contender before the year. Um, so, yeah, again, I, I'm going to be writing more about them in the upcoming weeks. Uh, so I don't want to say too much so we can move on. Who do you have at number – you had Arizona 24. What's your case for Arizona? I had them 21, so I was a little bit higher on the Cardinals. Yeah, I, you know, they're young. I, I think they've been playing hard. You know, now they Edmonds is hurt, Johnson's hurt. They really don't – I mean, they just traded for uh, Yeld – or who they trade for? Kenyon uh, Drake? Kenyon Drake, yeah. New was an Alabama guy. Um, <laughs> They're a bunch of them. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't know. They've been playing hard. I think early in the year we would have had them more in the shitty teams club, so they have moved up. Yeah. So, you know, I like what I see from Tyler Murphy, and I think uh, I think the coach has been doing a good job. I really do. I, I think that I think the team comes to play every week, but. Right now, I got them set at 24. I got the Chargers at 23, the Browns at 22, and the Steelers at 21. Okay. Um, I had the Chargers out of the regular bad teams club. Uh, quick on Arizona. We had we did have them in that shitty teams club back after week four. Since then, though, they're 3-1. and one. And, you know, the wins aren't super impressive. They're at Cincinnati, they're home for Atlanta and at the Giants, so they're not beating. They won any they team. Were... Yeah, they, no, but but the thing is, they're a young team with a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, and they're supposed to be bad. We expected that they would be one of the worst teams in the league, uh-huh. and they they took care of business against teams that are also bad. I think the fact that they got those three wins, they're three and zero in three games that we thought okay, they have a chance, and that's really optimistic for a rookie quarterback who there are question marks about, uh, a head coach who had a losing record in college. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that there's reason for optimism there. It, the offense has been okay. It, it, You know, no better or no worse than that. But there, there are signs of there being something real there. They have the best turnover percentage in the league. They aren't turning the ball over at all. Um, 
They're 11th in scoring percentage, which is that not just touchdowns, but field goals. Their kicker, Zane Gonzalez, he leads the NFL in field goals made, but just 11th best in the league of you have the ball, you are likely going to score. I, I thought that that was an impressive stat, that they're getting something out of a lot of these possessions. I just thought that they were competent. Um, you know, the, the difference between 21 and 24 here is minimal. Um, I have... I have Cleveland 23, I have Pittsburgh 22, Arizona again 21, and I have the Chargers out of the regular bad teams tier and up into tier three, which I call the playoff hopefuls. Um, and, and that's mainly because I still look at that roster and I see a lot of talent. Um, and the that last that last AFC wildcard spot, it feels like nine wins is gonna be able to get that. Right? I'm I hoping. mean I'm hoping so. No, you're yeah, that's the thing. Your Raiders I have them number nineteen. They they have a shot. And and that's why I can't rule the Chargers out, because they're a twelve win team from last year. We know they have talent. If they could just get things clicking, and, you know, we, we see this all the time. We we obviously both watch a lot of football. There are these games that happen in the middle of the season sometimes where it, it you have a team that looks like they're dead in the water, and then they find a way to win this kind of weird game, and for whatever reason, things just get rolling at that point, right? Yeah. So maybe that game is last week at Chicago for the Chargers, a game that they – you know, you could argue they they could have won by more if there weren't some drop touchdowns, or you could argue, okay, maybe the Bears should have won that game going away just because of how they kept having to settle for field goals in the red zone instead of touchdowns. You know, it, it was a weird game. There were missed kicks and turnovers. It was just odd. And maybe maybe they just can get something rolling here. I don't know. I, I just I, I I couldn't quite put them in that bad teams tier. I had to bump them up to number 20. Um, where did you have them? What team was that? Chargers? Chargers, I got a 23. 23, okay. Um, so you didn't, you you have yet to do the Bears. Where do you have the Bears? I have the Bears at 18. Oh, wow, you're way too high on them. Um, who do you have at 19? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Uh, how about Tennessee? Where do you have them? Uh, 20. 20. And where do you have your Raiders? 17. All right. So all in that mix. I have Oakland at 18. I have Tennessee at 19. I don't know why I did them out of order. Um, and I have Jacksonville 17. Again, I think that there is a possibility that one of these teams that is 500 or, in your Raiders' case, just below, I think that 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 last wild card spot, it's open. I mean, within the power rankings, there are only five teams ahead of that group of teams in the AFC. There's Houston, Indianapolis. Oh, I'm sorry, there are six. Buffalo, um, Baltimore, Kansas City, New England. So there are six teams, but... I think that one of these teams will have a shot because 
I don't know that we can trust Buffalo. Kansas City, we don't know what Mahomes' situation is going to be. And I hate to say it, but are we sure that Deshaun is going to be able to hold up for the year? There are a lot of questions. What's that? Now if he keeps getting kicked in the eye. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, <laughs> your, your quarterback should not be walking out of the, you know, into his press conference with a black eye and talking about compromised vision and, and stuff like that. Um, okay, so Tennessee, Jacksonville, Oakland. Uh, I have them bunched up. I, I don't know what to make of them. I'll, I'll give you the floor on your Raiders because I'm sure you have thoughts. Um, I do. What do you make of Oakland? Well, I mean, I love what Gruden said yesterday. He says, I think next year they should make every team play six straight weeks on the road and see see how they're doing. <laughs> I mean, let, let's think that they were one and one after week two. Since then, they've been to London. They've been to Indianapolis. They've been to Houston. They've been to Green Bay. They've been to Minnesota. They've been to, I mean, they've just been all over the place. I mean, and to, to be three and four, it's, I mean, basically all playoff teams that they've played are yeah. – it's impressive. I mean, that they got wins. Well, not the Bears. The Bears aren't a playoff team. They got wins against the Bears. They got wins against the Colts. You know that they basically were beating Houston the whole week last or the whole game last week. And uh, you know, other than a few plays in the Green Bay game, they're right there with them. I mean, it, it's the only game they really got physically beat up was Minnesota. And right. That was, you know, that was just one of them games. But, you know, sitting at three and four, I'll take it. You know, now they go home for a few weeks. Their schedule gets a little lighter. And uh, I think they got a shot at making a run. I love how Derek Carr's playing. Uh, Josh Jacobs looks like he's going to be an absolute stud. And, you know, I'm happy. You know, they got seeming to be maybe the best tight end in football in Darren Waller. So, I think the Raiders got a shot to sneak in the playoffs. Yeah, and as you said, the schedule really lightens up here. Three straight home games that are all very winnable. Um, home for Detroit, home for the Chargers, home for the Bengals. Um, and then at the Jets. Right. So, I mean, they could be sitting you know, They could. And, in, 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 you know, that going 4-0 and in any stretch for any team, it's a lot to ask. Um, yeah. Even even if you get through the stretch three and one, if you slip up say against the Chargers in in week ten, if you're six and five, again I, I think that yeah you're still in it. I think that nine wins gets you gets you that last wild card spot in the AFC. I really do. Now yeah. the question is, what happens with everyone else? Everyone is so bunched together in the AFC South. Tennessee's four and four. Jacksonville's four and four. Um Houston's five and three. Indianapolis is five and two. They're all so close together. Um yeah. you know, I, I think that Indy and Houston are are clearly kind of separated from Jacksonville and Tennessee. But you have you, you said you had Jacksonville ahead of the Titans, right? Yeah, by one spot. Okay. Um, have you seen enough from Minshew that, that his job should be safe when Foles could come back? Uh, hard to say. I mean, I I like how he's playing, but 
you know. I don't know if he's better than Nick Foles, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I look at the numbers, and, you know, the numbers are one thing. He's 4-3, and three, almost 2,000 yards in seven games, 13 touchdowns, only two interceptions, and 98.8 pass rating. All of that looks really good. And then I just look at how revitalized this Jags offense looks in comparison to where they were for so long with Blaine Gabbert and Blake Bortles and, and, you know, just a parade of not good quarterbacks. And it it just seems like there's this fire with Gardner Minshew and there's this excitement in the, in the stadium in Jacksonville that is different. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm getting caught up in Minshew mania. But I kind of think it'd be crazy to go back to Foles at this point. In in my opinion, they they should it's really hard continue. to tell because Foles didn't play. What do you play a quarter? Maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, there there but there wasn't a huge body of work. That's the thing. And you know, our lasting memory of Foles is what he did in the playoffs two years ago, and that that was great. But that was a what? The end of that regular season into the playoffs, a seven-game sample size, and there's been a lot of bad mixed in with that really, really good throughout his career. I, I just I look at these two and I look at their timelines, and Minshew's younger, he's cheaper, he he has you with a winning record in these games that he started. I I would be looking to move Foles at the de- at, at after in the off season, that would be that would be my move because there are going to be teams that are desperate for quarterbacks, my team included. And I think if you could get out of that money, and you could just you you have this young quarterback on a really really cheap contract, already with a year in the system, I would just roll with that. I really would, and you know. This week is the biggest game of his career. They're going to London. They've got a 9:30 kickoff against Houston, and that's a really big game because if they get that win, suddenly they're tied in the standings with Houston for that that last wild card spot in the AFC. They should they arguably should have won earlier in the year in Houston in Minshew's first start back in week two. I don't know. I. I I'm excited for that one. You know, sometimes the 9.30 a.m. kickoff for the London games is like kind of an obligation to have to get up early and, and watch that game, but I'm excited for that one this week. Yeah, it should be a good game. Um, not, not to change the subject, but to go back, to, you know, you said your Bears would be looking for a quarterback in the offseason. I did hear some grumblings about somebody that they might be going after in the offseason, and not sure how you're going to feel about this. Who? Your boy, Andy Dalton. Look, it, it can't get any worse than Trubisky. I mean, it, it probably can because, I mean, I've, I've seen it. Um, I, he He's not a downgrade. I'll say that. No. He's not a he's not a downgrade from Mitch Trubisky. So, I 
I don't know. If you if you can get him cheap, I I don't know. I I Paulie, I don't know. Um, <laughs> thank God it's basketball season, and Anthony Davis has put up a forty twenty in in thirty minutes, and I I have a good basketball team to root for again. I appreciate the fact that the Bears last year made up for the fact that the Lakers had a down season in LeBron's first year with them. But now we could change back, and the status quo has been, uh, you know, it's back to normal. LeBron is, is on a team that's very good, and the Bears are, are very not good. Um, so we've done up to 17. You had Oakland 17, right? Yeah. Okay, so 16 and beyond. Who do you have in number 16? I have Detroit at 16, Carolina at 15, and Buffalo at 14. That is exactly the order that I have um, in this tier of playoff hopefuls before I get into tier four. Um, So Detroit and Carolina, not that these two teams are, are similar in the way that they're built, but I think they're in similar positions where they're both just stuck in the wrong conference. There are just too many competent and really good NFC teams ahead of either of these two to make a playoff run. Um, I, I just, you know, I think that there there is talent there, but it's just tough when there are eight teams in that conference that are clearly better than those two teams. Um, Buffalo at, at 14. I got to say, the Bills are having such a great vintage Chicago Bears season this year. Um, but I just want to advise Bills fans, be careful out there, because when you're, when you're rolling with a recipe of having a great defense and winning these tight games that are low scoring and the quarterback looks like a problem, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And, you know, Josh Allen's only in year two, and there are things to like, uh, you know, how he how he runs the ball and he's mobile and all this and that. But the only quarterbacks with a worse passer rating this year than Josh Allen are Andy Dalton. Thank you for bringing it up that my Bears may be pursuing him. Um, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold. So he's in the bottom five in that stat. Better than or worse than Trubisky, which is amazing to me. Worse than Jameis Winston in passer rating, which is also amazing to me. Um, so, just Bills fans, if you're listening, be careful. Um, what are your thoughts on Buffalo moving forward? They, I, it's possible that they still have a leg up over everyone in the AFC just by virtue of of being two games up on a bunch of teams with four losses and a pretty cake schedule moving forward. I mean, the bad thing is if I'm a Bills fan, I'm looking at I'm looking at my win-loss and I'm like, man, we played two good teams at home and they both beat us fairly easily. Yeah. Um, you know, the offense is just not good. In the last couple of weeks, the defense hasn't looked as good as it did before the break. I mean – Miami really had success moving the ball on them, and, and Philadelphia just pounded them right up the middle. I mean, there's a, I, I was high on Buffalo after I saw them in person, and 
I got to tell you, after watching last week, I, I'd be a little concerned if I was a Bills fan. That defense looked a little suspect. Actually, it looked a lot suspect. For sure. And, you know, I agree with you. And that's why I warn everybody is that, you know, it's great that they're 5-2. and two And they, you know, they won all of the games that they're supposed to win. And we talk about this a lot. That's all you could do. If you if you handle your business in the games that you're supposed to win, a lot of times if you're an average or slightly above average team, that gets you to the postseason. Um, but, yeah, I do think it's probably discouraging that in their, the two losses, it's against two teams that are better than them and they're at home and they can't get either of those wins. But what's good for them is, as I said before, the schedule moving forward, especially this next month, is pretty easy. I mean, there's a chance that when we do our power rankings again after week 12, oh, man, how about this, Paulie? We'll be doing the power rankings right before Thanksgiving. That, that, the, the Thanksgiving podcast is always a little special. We, we both have a little extra twinkle in our eye because it's the holidays. Um, and now we're going to be doing power rankings. That, that's fun. Anyway, there's a chance that the Bills theoretically could be 9-2 and two at that point as they head into Dallas for the 4.30 kickoff on Thanksgiving. Now, whether they get to 9-2 and two is the big question, and it, it would be very billsy if they did not get to 9-2. and two. These are the games that traditionally when the Bills get off to these hot starts, they drop these games in the middle of the season when they, they should be creating distance from the rest of the teams in the pack who are trying to make the playoffs as a wild card. But they've got Washington at home this week. They're at Cleveland. They're at Miami. They're home for Denver. Those are three teams in the bottom six in the league. And then Cleveland, who we both had around 22-23. I mean, even if they go 3-1 and one in that stretch, and they're sitting at 8-3, and three, they're looking really healthy for a playoff spot at that point. Even though the schedule gets tougher at that point, I mean, what do you think? With, with those four games coming up, where do you right, – let's, let's make some predictions. Where do you think Buffalo sits come week 13 when we're doing this podcast, both in the power rankings and at their record? I think their record is going to be better than where we have in the power rankings. Just from the fact of, you know, they're getting Washington, you know, they're getting all teams they should be. I mean, right now they're five and two. They really should be nine and two, like you said. And, and you know, they're going to basically have a chokehold on that on that first wild card. But, you know, the eye test is the eye test. You know they're going to drop one of these games, though. Yeah, but to who? At Cleveland? I think that's, that's probably the one, right? Yeah, that's a possibility. The the thing for them is Cleveland can't protect the quarterback, and that's Buffalo's strong suit. I mean... You're right. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, 
realistically, it's possible that they go four and zero. And if they're if they're trying to talk themselves into being as good as their record shows, they should win all of these four games coming up. Yeah, the I question mean, is, will they? Um, I mean, Cleveland's defense will definitely give them trouble, but I will see. I will. I'll say. I'll say optimistically, they're eight and three. I think if I had a gun to my head and I really had to make a solid pick, though, I'd say they'll be seven and four. I think that. I don't know. It's the Bills, man. I just think that they'll drop two of these games and and it'll go I mean, right down the wire. It's not out of the question. No. All right. Tier four. I call these second level contenders. Okay. Now I got from 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 nine from number nine to number thirteen. I I think all these teams are about the same. Okay. Who do you got? I got Philly, Dallas, Indy, the Rams, and Houston. Okay, that's why. Um, not necessarily in that order. That was I, that was from thirteen to nine. Philly's thirteen, Dallas is twelve, Indy's eleven, the Rams are kind of Houston nine. Okay, I have Houston thirteen, Indy twelve, Philly eleven, the Rams ten, and Dallas nine. Um, let's do Indy and Houston. So you have the Texans a couple spots ahead of them, which I find interesting. So two weeks ago, these two teams played each other in Indy. You took Houston, I took Indy. The line was a pick. And we talked about it at the time. That line just seemed weird to me. Yeah. Um, so you still stick with Houston, even though Indy got that win. Um, Make the case for the Texans with JJ Watt out now for the rest of the year. Why? Why still higher on them than Indy? Is it just because Deshaun? I mean, and that's fair if it is. He is an MVP caliber quarterback, one of the best in the league. If it's I mean, just him, that, that's completely plausible. But what, what's the case for them over the Colts? Hundred percent him. I mean, okay. to me, he's about he's the best quarterback in the AFC right now with Mahomes out and. The things he does on a weekly basis is incredible. I mean, let, let's look back at that Colts game. He threw a touchdown pass when he was still up, and they blew the play dead. It was overturned, yep. I mean, last week, last week they basically had the same exact play, and they let the play play on, and he threw a touchdown pass again. So, I mean, he, he's incredible. I mean, he, he the plays he makes every week are really amazing. And, and that's why I got him at nine because I'll never, I'll never count him out, never. Hey, did you know that the Bears could have traded back in the draft to to get him, but instead they they traded up hear, to the draft that. at Trubisky. Well, I, I don't. Yeah, Mahomes. they got Mahomes. No, no, they they trade up to get Mitch Trubisky. Oh, and now he's not even Mitch Mitchell. I think he needs to go back to Mitch. I don't know what they're calling him. I, I call him a bad quarterback. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, that that's fair. I, in my opinion, these two teams are are about as close as any two teams that are atop a division 
yeah. in the league. I, I I have a really hard time separating them. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me no matter what way this played out. For whatever reason, I I don't know why I, I feel like I like Indy a little bit more. I, I don't know what the what the deal is. Maybe it's the coach. Maybe I just trust Frank Reich a whole lot more than than I do Bill O'Brien. Maybe it's the defense. I, I like that Colts defense a little bit more than I like Houston's, especially now with Watt out. Watt was having another really good year. Um, I you know I I just I, I like I, I like the run game better in Indy. Um, I but then again it, it's Deshaun and. He's the guy, and he's the guy who you just trust is always going to make a play. So it's really hard. Um, but, yeah, I had these two teams, 13 and 12. I do like that bunch of of NFC teams a little bit better than either of these two. So my 11 through 7 is Philadelphia, the L.A. Rams, the Dallas Cowboys. At 8, I have Minnesota. At 7, I have Seattle. And to me, it's pretty clear cut that there is a top three in the NFC, and we'll get to all of them. But to me, it's it's getting hard to distinguish who is um, who's going to come out of this pack of five to get those last three playoff spots in the NFC. And, you know, it's early and there's a lot of time, but I think we could probably cross out Detroit, cross out Carolina. I just don't think that they're in this tier of teams. I think it's going to come down to the three teams that we have yet to get to, which is San Francisco, New Orleans, Green Bay, and then these five. So you had had, um, Minnesota and Seattle ahead of Philly, L.A., Dallas, correct? Yep. As did I. I have Minnesota 8, Seattle 7. Um, but, I, but you know, there, there are questions all over the place here. So let's do rapid fire. Number one, can you trust Kirk Cousins to keep playing the way that he's been playing the last four weeks since losing to Chicago? Hard to say. Good question. Hard to say though. I can't. I can't say I don't. I think. I think he's a little good. I. I think they finally have let him. I mean, let's face it. When when your coach is basically only throwing the ball seven, eight times, you're not getting in any rhythm. He, he's right. giving them the keys and letting them letting them throw. You know, on third and short, late in games, this bunch of games now. I, he, he's looked good. I mean, he's he, he's played some good games. He has been he's been fantastic since they lost to Chicago. And we you know, we did the power rankings after that game against Chicago and we were both much higher on the Bears than we were the Vikings at that point. And I was higher on Detroit than I was Minnesota and my reasoning was I didn't trust Kirk Cousins and he's made me eat my words since then. He has been as good as you could ask him to be and the thing that I like um, if you're looking at Minnesota's outlook, is that Dalvin Cook has still been a huge part of yeah. their success in those four wins. He's averaging over 100 yards per game in those games with Cousins playing the way that he has been playing. 
if Minnesota does keep playing like this, they they have a chance to join this net, that that top three group of contenders in the NFC. I think. Um, all right, second question. I have, I have I have four rapid fire questions for you. Number two, did do you think Philly corrected their course with the win against Buffalo last week? I mean, let's face it, Philly's major problem is their defensive secondary. Buffalo's not right. going to challenge you there. Yep. You know what I mean? That that was a that was a perfect storm for Philly. That was exactly what they needed. So, I mean, we have to wait and see, you know, until they play somebody that could really throw the ball because they're and so it was their secondary, which was horrible, and Buffalo is not going to expose that. So, well, we're going to have to keep waiting and seeing because they play the Bears this week. Um, I wasn't going to say, it, but the, the bear the the Bears are not going to exploit any secondary, and then they have a bye week ten. But then the next two, this is where it gets really interesting: home for New England week eleven, home for Seattle week twelve. Those are the they games where we will where we will find out if Philly's for real. When we yeah. do this podcast heading into week 13, we will have our answer. Um, number three, do you think the Cowboys and Rams both continue to be up and down? They both started 3-0. and They both then dropped their next three games to go to 3-3. Three and three. Um, Do you think that this kind of up and down uh, carousel nature continues with both of these teams, or do you think either one eventually figures it out and and goes on a little bit of a run? To be honest with you, I think Dallas has a little more of a shot to go on a run. Dallas, you know, dealing with a lot of injuries to their offensive line. Uh, Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith were both out, you know, for a few games where they struggled. Uh, mm-hmm. That Jets loss is bad, though. That Jets loss is really bad. It it, uh, it looks. Awful. <laughs> you know, I, I trust McVay, but man, that offensive line is not good. And, and he's he's in in a division with a couple really good teams. I mean, he he's going to have to be really good down the stretch, and, and Goff's going to have to be really good down the stretch because you know, pick up a Jalen Ramsey definitely is going to help their defense. Um, but they need to protect the quarterback, and they need to be able to run the football. And that's something that they haven't been able to do. So, well, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, I trust Dallas a little more. I th- I like the Rams' talent, but I trust Dallas a little more, which is scary. No, I'm with you. I I had Dallas. Um, I had them one spot ahead of the Rams in in my rankings. Uh, they play Week 15, which that's. That's going to be a huge game. The thing that I like about this group of teams, what's really cool, they almost all play each other yeah. in these next nine weeks or, or eight weeks. Yeah, nine weeks, whatever. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, matchups between these teams. The Rams, they, I mean, as you said, they're in a really good division. They they have a really tough three week stretch coming up. Home for Seattle at Dallas at San Francisco. Um, that that may make or break their season. The, their games up to that point are are all winnable. Um, but you know that that three game stretch that, that'll tell you a lot about where the Rams are. Uh, 
Dallas, they still go to New England. They host the Rams. They're at Philadelphia. It's just um, a a lot of really good NFC games coming up. And then my last question, uh, and this kind of ties in, can Seattle withstand a really difficult schedule coming up? Uh, Because they've got two games against the Niners. They are at Philadelphia. They're at the Rams. They host Minnesota. And even a tricky at Carolina game, week 15, 1 p.m. kickoff, that's tough. Now, I have them seven. Where did you have them? I'd Seattle eight. Eight? So you have Minnesota a spot ahead of them? I have Minnesota actually at six. Oh, okay. Uh, Who? Well, let's wrap up the NFC. Do you think that they could? Do you think that they could get through that gauntlet? I mean, every team is playing a gauntlet. We we just covered that. I I guess the big question is, and I know you probably don't have all of the schedules up ahead of you. um, Who do you say? Well, let's do this. Who do you think ends up being these last three playoff teams in the NFC? Is it just as simple as the three teams that you have highest in your power rankings? I mean. When I watch Seattle, if Russell Wilson isn't Superman every week, they're not very good. They're like pretty flawed. They, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they lost two games at home to Baltimore and to New Orleans, and they were just games where, you know, the other team's defenses, you know, really didn't let Russ have that Superman-type day. I mean, even last week they had a big lead on Atlanta and didn't score in the second game. I mean, yeah. you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle ends up missing the playoffs. Because um, Russ just has to do too much. Like, he, like he's he's great. I mean, if you listen to us, you know, we, I, we can't talk enough good about him. I, I, there isn't too many guys that would take over him, but doesn't got much help. Really doesn't. I mean, no, that I, defense at Shop throw for four hundred yards. Yeah, and you know some of that's garbage time, but it, their defense hasn't. This isn't the Legion of Boom defense that he's going into battle with. No, this is a a much different Seahawks team, and as you said, it requires him to be Superman quite a bit. What I don't like is that a lot of times they. They don't really unleash him until they need to unleash him, and I think that's part of their issue. Right. Is that sometimes their play calling is so conservative early where you're for, you're almost boxing yourself into these close games where if you just open it up a little bit more, I feel like they'd be so much better off if they just said, okay, we're going to let you throw the ball 25 times in the first half. I feel like they'd be better off sometimes than just, okay, our run-pass ratio in the first half, we're going to run 60% of the time past 40. And then, you know, if the game's close in the fourth quarter, we'll let you, you know, play with some tempo and and throw the ball around and and save us. Like, just don't put yourself in a position to need to be saved. That's my big issue with them. But, 
No, I'm with you. With that schedule and the and the way that they play sometimes, it, it can be discouraging for sure. Um, so you said you had Minnesota number six? Yeah. Which of these AFC teams did you have lower, Baltimore or Kansas City? I have Baltimore at seven and Kansas City at five. Okay. I have Baltimore at six, Kansas City at five. Um, big game for the Ravens this week. Uh, you know, they that win against Seattle was impressive. That's kind of the the only real marquee win of the year for them is going on the road and winning uh, out west. Now coming off a bye, they host New England on Sunday night football. Do you give Lamar and the Ravens any chance of pulling a huge upset this week? One thing, I will be shocked if it happens. There's no way Belichick's going to let Lamar Jackson run. He's going to have to be that throwing ball. Yeah, and, you know, a, that's Which, tough because it's New England, and they have probably the best set of defensive backs in the league. And, and B, it's something that I can't believe Seattle didn't do. Like, make him throw the ball. Like, on fourth down, you don't think he's the one that's going to be running. On third long, he's going to run. Like, yeah. he's not going to throw it. He's going to run it. Like, that ain't going to work against Belichick. And I'm I'm interested to see how that game plays out because this New England's defense is good, man. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get to them. Obviously, there there uh, there has been no change. I, I assume in in the belief that they are at the top of the NFL. But you know, th- this is it. It's one of those really interesting. Patriots games where, you know, like you said, what is Belichick going to scheme up? And we know what it is. We, as you said, he's not going to let Lamar be a runner and beat them that way. Um, but the the big challenge is can Lamar beat them as a passer? We, we the talk all year in the in the in camp and in preseason and throughout the regular season so far was the supposed improvement in Lamar as a passer from last year or this year. And to some degree, that has been the case. It, even if you don't love where he is as a passer and you think that there's still a lot of room to grow, it's kind of indisputable that he is better now than he was last year. The question, and we will find this out on Sunday Night Football, is how much better? Is he good enough at home to beat a really good team or not even beat a really good team because we have to, we, we have to measure new England is a different kind of bar, right? I mean, they, they have been so good so far this year. I think if you're Baltimore and you could go into this game and really compete against new England and if Lamar could show, they should compete. I mean, it's in Baltimore. I mean, they should be able to compete. But I mean compete in a way where even if you don't get a win, if Lamar could look really competent throughout, and if he could make a couple throws that make you think, okay, 
there's really something we're piecing together here now. You know, if he could connect on a couple of these deep balls and hit a couple tight window throws, and if he can manage to escape from the pocket and and get loose a couple times as a runner, even if you don't win, I think if you're the Ravens, you have to think, okay, maybe it's not this year, but this is our guy, and he is making incremental improvements, and this is good. Now, whether he can do that, that remains to be seen. Um, so you have them seven, Kansas City five. I, I, I wasn't sure where you would have Kansas City. You are, you know, you, you, your relationship with, with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs is obviously well documented, as is mine with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. I wasn't sure where you would have them, given I mean, their record five and three, Mahomes' injury. Give me your take on the Chiefs. Well. When Mahomes comes back, they're, I mean, they're the second-best team in the AFC. So, I mean, I'm not going to penalize them too much for them not having, you know, the best quarterback in that, you know, probably in football right now. So, yeah, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens when they come back. I mean, their defense still stinks, but what are you going to do? Yeah, you know, there are flaws. I I. I you know, now all of a sudden, though, we're looking at a situation where, depending on how long he is out, there's maybe a chance that we get New England, Kansas City in the playoffs in the divisional round. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't think New England is necessarily concerned with playing anybody, but I don't think you, I think if you put them in a lie detector test, I don't think you'd have anybody saying that they they wanted to play the Chiefs before the AFC Championship game. All right, Tier 5, I have three teams I call the top of the NFC. I'll I'll give the floor to you. How do you have these three teams ranked? Uh, Four, Green Bay, three, New Orleans, two, San Francisco. All right, so we have it exactly flipped. Uh, not much has changed for either of us then. So you're you're all in on the Niners right now. Eight and zero. That they blew out Carolina furious. last week. That defense is furious. It it looks really good, I, and I mean, even the offense they they show some flashes with the play calling with with Kyle Shanahan and what they can get going on the ground with the, and, you know, play action off of that. I like the Emmanuel Sanders trade. That's a good trade for them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, 7-0 and right now. This Nick Bowles is a stud. I will say, though, the, the schedule, they will be tested over the next nine weeks. Um, the only team near the top of the league that they've beaten is at the Rams, a really good win where that defense really shined. But they've still got two against Seattle. They have a home game for against Green Bay. They're at Baltimore. They're at New Orleans, another game against the Rams. They'll be tested. That's, that you know, that it's coming. And that's why, you know, I, I have been... Always remember that. Defense travels. It does, for sure. 
and you know, obviously they're great. I have them for these top three teams. I I give the edge to Green Bay. I have been higher on them than New Orleans or San Francisco from the start of the year. They're seven and one. I, I don't see any reason why I should change up too much from that. But if any of these three teams ended up representing the NFC in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't say I'd be shocked by any of the three. But I'm going to say the same thing that that I've been saying about San Francisco so far. I just I want to I want to see them tested. I do, and you know, it, like I said, it's coming. They have a three game, uh, three week stretch coming up. Home for Green Bay, at Baltimore, at New Orleans. Then an Atlanta game, then two more divisional games against the Rams and the Seahawks. We'll find out then. And you know, if if they end the season and they're thirteen and three or you know whatever record, and they're you know at that point the the top team in the NFC, then I'll. I'll say I was, I'll admit that I was slow with them all year long and that maybe I was wrong, but um, I just, I, I I look at Drew Brees, I look at Aaron Rodgers, and I look at those two teams and the way they're constructed and how it doesn't need to be just Brees and just Rodgers like it has been in the past. There's a defense there now, and there's a running game that those two quarterbacks could kind of lean on. And then at the end of the game, if you're if you need a drive to get you points, you have Rodgers or Breeze. I just I like that dynamic, and that's why I have New Orleans and Green Bay ahead of San Francisco. Fair, fair, man. I, three really good teams. Three really good teams. And man. It's going to be a fun race. The end of the year, we we already talked about the, the you know the five NFC teams bunched up for the the last three spots in the NFC, with two being left out. But then the race for overall number one seed in the NFC, and who is going to avoid having to go on the road in the divisional round? That is going to be interesting. That that's going to be really fun to watch as, as you know, we could get Green Bay, New Orleans in round two. How crazy would that be? It, I mean, it's very much in play. It, it, the NFC is just so, so stacked, man. And then uh, tier six, I have them in a tier all by themselves, the New England Patriots. Um I will ask what I asked you after week four. Do you think New England can go undefeated? I mean, of course I do. <laughs> I mean, the other day they said well, you were you were you were a little more you were a little more hesitant back in week four. Now week eight are you know there there's still some really tricky games coming up. This, this next this next five I mean, game run here. I would say they're going to lose. If I was to bet, I was going to—I'd say they'll lose one, or you know right. they'll lose. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they put up a stat the other day that if their offense hadn't played a game all year, they'd still have a winning record. I mean, <laughs> yeah. think, about, think about that. I mean, yeah. their defense, their special team scores every week. Uh, 
You know, they traded for Mohamed Sanu, which I think would be a nice nice pickup for them. Um, man, they're they're good. They're good, and it's getting it's getting towards that time of the year when when they start, you know, really really being good. So, I mean, playing the Patriots not fun. They got locked down corners. Uh, Belichick's running that defense like the genius that he is, man, and it's Patriots are. are. You know, I, I mean, when stop? Like, like when is when is this ever going to end? Like, it's just amazing. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, we haven't. We we probably shouldn't talk about it here. We're over an hour and fifteen minutes into this thing, and we should get wrapping up. But at some point, we do need to talk about the the swirling rumors that right. you know this could be Brady's last year in the NFL period, or maybe he's looking to go somewhere else after this year. I, you know, I've heard rumors that, that with the Chargers moving into a new stadium, he is potentially eyeing a a move to L.A. I don't know. Well, you know, that that that's for another time. But the one thing I wanted to point out was that, you know, I, they're 8-0. I've been looking at, at whether or not they could get to 16-0 and again. And, again, it, it's going to be tough. The, the next five games are at Baltimore, at Philly, home for Dallas, at Houston, home for Kansas City. Uh, arguably the toughest stretch of five games that any team will have to play between week nine and week 14. Uh, but at this point, their point differential is plus 189 through eight weeks. Back in 07, it was plus 204 through eight weeks. So it was slightly better um, 12 years ago. But I would say the defense is significantly better this year than it was then. Uh, so that, that, that's obviously an advantage that works in their favor. But what I find interesting is that week nine in 2007 was the first time New England got tested. Um, they're at Indianapolis. They won that game 24 to 20. Over the next um, over the next eight weeks, they had three more one-score games down the stretch. Is that going to be how this plays out for New England? And can they win these one-score games? It's hard to bet against them. As I've said already, I, I'm not going to pick against them all year. I think that they have just earned that. They're that good. The, the system is that strong. We see it year after year that it's a fool's errand to try to pick against them and and do anything other than penciling New England into 12, 13 wins and probably an appearance in the Super Bowl. Uh, But it's really getting to the point now where we have to start looking at them through a lens where it's not just them versus the rest of the NFL this year. It is them competing against history. Right, and yeah. and if this is Brady's last year, man, how fitting would it be if they could, if if the one real, it's not a black mark because they're they're sixteen and zero and they went to the Super Bowl, but if they could just imagine that if if they go nineteen and zero in Brady's last year, now all of a sudden the the Jordan hitting the walk off jumper over Russell in the ninety eight final, now we have a better now we have a better last moment in sports. If Brady could do that, 
it, it would it would just be something. Um, anything else to add? No, we uh, I think we covered it all. I do too. Uh, give us a scoop on Notre Dame. Uh, semifinals Friday night. Um, you know we're we're eating all. Uh, the last time we did a pod, we were we were getting ready for uh, our last regular season game at Alexander. Uh, we were both six and all. Uh, you know the outcome of that. We won forty nothing. It was thirty two nothing at half. Uh, last week, uh, you know, was our least amount of points we scored in a game. We won twenty six uh, twenty six nothing. Uh, the defense has been phenomenal. We haven't given up a point in eleven quarters, and we're scoring almost 40 a game. So uh, Jed, Jed Reese lets all Section 5 in touchdowns. He's at 20 right now, almost 2,000 yards rushing. Um, and and uh, our quarterback, Gabe McDonald, he's getting close to 1,000 yards rushing himself. So, uh, you know, it's been a great year. I, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that we go in Friday and play our game, We you know, and, and get these boys a chance to, you know, play for a title next Friday night on Uncle Joe's birthday. Man, talk about fitting. <laughs> Sectional championship on a birthday that you can't beat that. So it's no. it's Bolivar Richburg Friday night. Where's the game? We're playing at Caledonia. At Caledonia and is it on? It's not is on. It on? Oh no. Yeah, it's not on. Because oh, what a bummer. Happened. Uh, the Daily News was over to interview a few of our guys yesterday, and um, they said something how Spectrum has the rights, and it like would cost them a certain amount of money, so they could only put on like one game a week. So yeah, we're they wanted to come and do because Alexander plays right after us, so they would get two local teams, you know, back and back. Yeah, yeah. But it, it just didn't work out, unfortunately. You know. I, it stinks. You know, I enjoy watching our games on that after, you know, when we come home, I enjoy listening to the commentary and stuff, but yeah. It's so not no, no radio or anything. Doesn't look like it. No. Oh, what a disaster. Yeah. All right. Well, I will, uh, hopefully there'll be some social media following the game. I know that there's the, the Twitter account and usually yeah. pretty good about updating scores. So I will be following along. Best of luck to you and, and Uncle Joe and the entire coaching staff and all the kids. Um, I'll be thinking about you, and hopefully next week when we get back to doing our picks for Week 10, uh, we could also be talking about your upcoming sectional championship game. That would be fantastic. That would be, nice. that would be really nice. All right, buddy. Well, enjoy your Halloween. Stay inside. Don't get scared. And best of luck tomorrow. All right, buddy. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, you too.